0: Twitter. Hey, folks, welcome back to another episode of This Week in Photo. I am your host, Frederick Van Johnson. Today on the show, I'm speaking with Kirsten Lutz. He is a photographer based out of the UK. And in a lot of ways, he and I have sort of, we're kind of like kindred spirits because he's doing a lot of the stuff that I do over there. I would argue probably better, but he's doing a lot of the same stuff where there's photography, podcasting, content creation. You know, he's interested in a lot of the same things that I'm interested in, including artificial intelligence and of course, the the amazing Nikon brand of cameras. So you know, we were instantly friends when he mentioned he was a Nikon shooter. But uh, we're gonna—I wanted to have Kirsten on today, not only to talk a little bit about his podcast, which you should absolutely check out. I'll link to it in the show notes for this episode. Uh, but I want to—I want to dive into just the world and the evolution of the content creator and what that looks like. If you're you've you've listened to s- several of the previous this week in photo episodes you know I've sort of been on this artificial intelligence tangent um, and that's because that's what's topical right now that's what people are thinking about that's what a lot of people are talking about that's what I'm talking about right now but I don't want to make this discussion all about AI uh, that you'll you'll be relieved to hear I want to I want to talk about a little bit how AI fits into the world of the solopreneur content creator and how it accelerates some of the things that we can do, but also the other tools and the other things that you need to know and master in order to be a successful content creator or photographer today in 2023 as we record this, contrasted with, let's call it 10 years ago. What did it look like back then? So Kirsten Lutz is here to help unpack all of that stuff. Kirsten, welcome to the show, man. It is a pleasure to have you on. Thanks for taking the time. Hi, I'm so glad to be here. Thank you for, thank you for having me. No, absolutely. Absolutely. So let's kick this off. man. I want to I want to kick it off with just a a quick introduction. This is your first time on this week in photo, hopefully the first of many times that you'll appear on the show. Um, But introductions, who is Kirsten Lutz? And and what are the kind of things that you you're working on over there in the UK? Uh,
1: So I mean, I would say it used to be easy, you know, to say like, well, I'm a portrait and headshot photographer, you know, but nowadays, um, it's it's really not quite as easy anymore because nowadays you have to have um, your your fingers in a lot of different parts, as they say, you know, so I'm obviously I am a portrait and headshot photographer, but I'm also a podcaster and I'm a content creator and I make videos. And so I'm also a videographer Um, and all the rest of it. And I create, you know, shorts uh, for, you know, for YouTube and Instagram and TikTok and so on and so forth. So uh, it's gone very much beyond just doing stills photography and you know and with that comes a whole array of additional skill sets that that i had to develop in order yeah. to sort of keep up in this in this world of ever-changing needs when it comes to visual content creation
0: and what kind of what kind of skills are like you and i i mean like i said at the, at the end in the little intro there uh, yeah the the tools that where I sit right now in my little home office at my desk, you know, producing this podcast, the tools that I have available to me, for the on the on the, you know from one perspective, cost a tiny fraction of what it would have cost to do similar kinds of productions back in the day when we were growing up. Right, it would used to require literally hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of camera gear and switchers and. You know, if you want to not not to mention the live streaming aspect of what we can do, you know, that would have required a satellite truck and you know, all the things. And we, I can do it from a MacBook Pro sitting in my little home office here. So the tools have changed, which allow us to do a lot more. On the one hand, where do you what are what are the main tools that, that Kirsten Lutz is using to produce the stuff that you're working on? There's got to be a like a core set of things that. If you were dropped behind enemy lines, you could do your job. Like what, what are the, what are those things?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if I was dropped behind enemy lines, you know, it'd be my Nikon Z6 II, which I love and, you know, I do absolutely everything with, you know, I shoot video with that, I shoot stills with that. And, you know, in my professional uh, photography work, you know, I shoot everything uh, from portraits to, you know, commercial photography with that. Um, And uh, I, as a tool, it's, it's really like the Swiss, for me, it's a Swiss army knife. Of of cameras. Um, and so it works really, really well for me. Uh, but if I was being dropped behind enemy lines, you know, really what I'd need is you know my z 6 II and a mic. And I can pretty much add maybe a mobile phone, so I can tell it to that. But yeah. you know, by and large, I could do most things, um, you know, most things that I would need to do. But that being said, you actually touched on something there in, in your you know in your little introduction to this question. Mm-hmm. Um and you know, that's really the fact that. Equipment has become so much more affordable, you know, um, over the last, so let's say, five, six, 10 years. You know, in a former life, I used to be a musician, I used to be a session musician. And so I used to work a lot in recording studios and, uh, and with radio stations, for example. Um, and just to give you an example, you know, I used to work a lot with the BBC over here in the UK, uh, BBC Radio in particular. And if I just think of the setup, that was required only a few years ago in order to put a radio show out on the air. You know, there used to be a studio. Um, then there used to be a broadcast truck, you know, literally mm-hmm. parked behind a building, and that would basically send everything to the satellite. Um, you know, there used to be a studio, there used to be um, a, an engineer, they used to be the presenter, a producer, there used to be a whole team of people that would work on making this this thing happen. And all of that all of that, we can now do sat at a desk with a camera and a computer and a bunch of other things um, that allow us to do that. And that's incredible. You know that's really uh, that sort of development in terms of technology has obviously happened in, in photography and in video, but it's also likewise you know it's happened in music. Um, you know, it wasn't too too long ago really that in order to record an album you'd have to like hire a big studio and you used to have an engineer, a producer, the whole team again. You know, now you can do it in your bedroom. You know, so technology has come on massively, but just because you can do everything by yourself doesn't necessarily mean that that's necessarily a good idea, because in order for you to do that, you now have to acquire a whole range of new skill sets that you didn't really need before, you know, in the early days of me being a session musician, for instance, I didn't really need to know how to work um, a mixing desk. You know, um, you know. I used to go in and, and record a radio show. I didn't need to know how to send something, something to a satellite. You know, I'd go in and I'd play my guitar. And that was the one skill that I had. Yeah. The <laughs> you know, yeah. single skill. And, um, you know, and that basically made my job possible. Um, now, doing, you know, doing what I do now is, you know, now I need to be, you know, a photographer, obviously, I need to be a videographer I need to be able to shoot video. I need to be a director, a producer. Uh, I need to know all the technology. It needs to be, I, I need to be a, you know, a computer nerd um, because I need to know what's happening with the software and you know, this yeah. and that and the other. And connect, you know, I need to be a technician. Um So it's become easier in some ways, but it's also at the same time, it's become incredibly more complicated in another mm-hmm. way.
0: Yeah. You know what? You, you you touched on a vein there. And that's the the whole, I don't know, it's a cliche to say lifelong learner. Yeah. Which I feel like I am. But it, it sounds cliche to say, yeah, I'm a lifelong learner. I'm always learning new things. And you, I'm sure you and I both are. We always, we, we have this thirst for learning the latest piece of software that can make our lives easier or, you know, the the latest you know, camera that does the latest thing or the latest 360 or a VR helmet, it's a headset, whatever. So all these things are exciting to people like us. Where I worry, though, is when you're when you're in that world of, OK, I have one skill and I'm just going to hammer on that skill over the decades and become the best, whatever that thing is, that is, you know, alive today on planet Earth. That's my goal is to be the best of the best at that thing. What happens when you diversify and spread the need to be the best at something over all the things that you mentioned, you know, versus the, for example, you know, being the best, you know, musician on a particular instrument or genre. That's one thing. Right. And focusing on that for an entire career and being known as that person that that does that whenever somebody mentions that your your face pops into their head. What happens today when things are kind of spread out, right? You got to be good at all these things. Is it possible to to become truly amazing at all of these things without, you know, without focusing on a single thing to to burn a hole in it and make a dent? What do you think?
1: I think that's what I mean, it's become incredibly more complicated, you know, um, today, because in a sense, we have to be much better at at a number of different different things, and ultimately, you know, it all boils down to communication. You know, we need we need to be much better communicators, and you know, we nowadays, of course, we use technology today to to communicate with the world. Um, the structures used to be very different, and I sort of kind of refer back to music in the way that it you know it used to work back in the olden days. You know, in the like, if we go back to the fifties or even before that, the forties. You know, record companies used to have staff songwriters, and they used to write songs. And then they had the A and E, uh, so the A and R department, the A and E emergency <laughs> department. Um, no, they said if the A and R department, the artist and repertoire. And what that meant was, you know, um, those were the guys who would go out and they would match artists with repertoire. This was in the day before Elvis Presley, or actually, in the time of Elvis Presley, before the Beatles, when you know artists weren't expected to write their own material. In fact. There was a time when it was frowned upon, you know, because people used to think like, well, you know, you're a great singer. that doesn't make you a great songwriter because songwriting is a different skill. We have great songwriters that write great songs and we match them up with great singers and great artists, and then when we can make that match and write the perfect song with the for the perfect artist, then we make a hit, you know, and that's what the a and r department used to literally do, you know, um then you know, throughout the 60s and 70s, it became normal that bands and artists would write their own material. And now it's a requirement, you know, almost. Um, And so things change. So now as an artist, like as a musician, as a singer, now you need to be also a great songwriter, you know. Um, And, you know, and of course, a lot of stuff is, you know, it's produced differently. So now you need to be a producer and engineer and all the rest of it, you know. And so you can, you can argue that on one hand, because you have to diversify in so many different ways, you know, um, you can't be such a specialist anymore. Uh, yeah. But I think the demands are still there for you to be really good at a particular thing. Like, you know, making a photography podcast, you know, does require a degree of expertise when it comes to photography, because, yeah. you know, that's, that's the subject um, that, you know, we'd be talking about. Yeah, but um, you know the beauty of having all of the, these opportunities and you know these possibilities and this technology at our fingertips. is really the, in the fact that we can create things like a podcast, you know, or like a YouTube channel or whatever it may be, that's entirely based on our own interests. And I think if you're really, you know, if you're interested in something, then you, you gather expertise in that field. Much more easily than you know if you're doing something that you don't really know very much about, and you know I think ultimately that's sort of still at the base of of any form of you know success. And I define the word success very loosely. Um, I'm not really talking about success in a term in terms of like you know subscribers or, or views, anything like that. Um, I define success in the ability to do something over an extended period of time. Um, That fulfills you and brings you joy and allows you to carry on doing that thing. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. yeah,
0: No, no, continue. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That's basically it. (laughs) That was it. That was it. No, no. I was like, okay. I don't want to interrupt that thought. That was gold. No, yeah, I, I agree. Yeah, there's. Yeah. So what you're saying is, you could still be excellent at one thing, but there, the, the waterline for the other skills that you need to have is, is kind of raising. But you can still stick out above the waterline with excellence in one particular area.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, just again, you know, I I draw parallels to the world of music because it is such a. I mean, there are such great parallels to be had It is, yeah. um, and, and, you know, the industry has changed in very much the same way um, as the photography industry, maybe even maybe even a little bit earlier, you know. Um, if you think about the event of Napster, for example, uh, you know, back in the, when was that? The early 2000s. You know, it was. When yeah. all of a sudden, you know, the bottom fell out of, of the music industry and, you know, all the money went because nobody bought anything anymore, you know. And that's a little bit like, you know, if you if you think about it, no industry can survive that um in the long run. It's a little bit like you, imagine you're running a bakery, right? And people come in and they demand your your bread for free. If you carry on giving away, you know, bread for free, you're not gonna be in business for very long. And of course, this the same thing um was really what the music industry was facing at the time. Nobody was buying the product anymore. Nobody was paying for it, you know? And and you can't sustain that. And of course, you know, we can look at the music industry, especially back then and we can say, like, well, but it was excessive and you know, blah, blah. Yes, all of that's true. But nevertheless, if you if you turn off the the tab, then nothing's gonna survive. And ultimately that's gonna that's gonna affect you know record companies and it's gonna affect artists and so on so forth. Um and so you know, back in the 80s and 90s, if you were in a band, you know, you put all your energy in being discovered, you know, playing really great gigs, writing good songs, you know, playing really great gigs, you know, uh, hoping that some A&R guy would be there to discover you. you. know bands used to be discovered back then. You know, nowadays, if you're in a band, you really have no chance in hell unless you literally run your own marketing department, hmm. you know, because now it's down to you to, you know, create all of that marketing collateral, you know, create, you know, gain a following, you know, be super active on social media. So you become a marketer all of a sudden, you know, on top of being a songwriter and a musician and, you know, you record your own um your own material. So you all of a sudden you become, you know, an engineer and a producer and you know all, all the rest of it. And so you know, so the industry has changed for artists dramatically. I mean it's unrecognizable, really. Yeah. You know, in comparison. And of course the same thing is, is happening in in
0: other creative fields as well, and photography being one of them. Yeah, you know, I wonder I wonder what the the, the, the sort of direct comparison is to the publishing industry like the if you look at the publishing i.e you know writing a book and publishing it and and Mm -hmm. the hoops that you had to jump through back in the day to do that versus being a photographer and what are the the gatekeepers and that what were the gatekeepers in that industry and the music industry like you mentioned you know the bands trying to get it trying to get discovered what were the gatekeepers there if you look at publishing the way one of the big ways that that industry has changed and you know arguably shrunk you know but but definitely changed was back in the day the publisher was the gatekeeper you'd write a book proposal and send it over to a publisher. And if they like it, liked it, they might give you an advance and you write the book on a schedule and then you publish the book and you get some sort of percentage on royalties after your advance was paid back. And, you know, hopefully, you know, people would like the book and it would sell and you write another book, you know, those days have changed and the gatekeepers have in a lot of ways morphed. And one of the, publisher I spoke, one of the publishers I spoke to a couple of days ago was saying, That when they're entertaining publishing a new book, part of that calculus is now what's your follower count? You know, what is your social media reach? And they factor that into if they're going to get behind the book and publish it and push it out or not. So going in there as a even if you have a fantastic you're like a burgeoning Stephen King or somebody and you have a fantastic idea for a book. If you walk in there with zero social media footprint your chances are going to be dubious at best versus the guy next to you that wrote maybe not as good a book or as a not as good of an idea. And he goes in, he or she goes in and they have a million followers behind them. Then the publisher obviously is going to line up and, and push their book forward. On the flip side of that coin, why would that person even be at a publisher if you got a million followers? You could push it yourself, right? And promote totally it valid and question. take yeah, all absolutely. the money. Yeah. So, yeah. I don't know. What, what's the analog yeah. there to other industries? I don't know. Well, I mean, first of
1: all, you know, it, it, and it just goes to show that, you know, now all of a sudden you have to be a businessman as well, you know, yes. or, or businesswoman, mm-hmm. you know, that's the, that's the other thing that really as an artist back in the, you know, 20, 30 years ago, you didn't really necessarily have to worry about. of course to your own detriment, because all of a sudden, you know, it was managers and record companies, executives that would basically take a top, well, not only a top slice, but almost all the slices, you know, out of the money pie. And, um, and so he, as an artist, you know, used, well, you could find yourself in, 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 you know, massive debts, you know, mm-hmm. I, I remember the days when, you know, record companies would pay advances. And of course, you know, nobody told you as an artist that, you know, you had to pay for the whole album production out of that advance. And, you know, you'd be happily spending your advance going, whoa, they paid me lots of money. You know, awesome. I'll buy whatever car, you know, and party hard. And then, you know, and then the money'd run out. And then, you know, all of a sudden the record company turns around and they're like, oh, okay. Now you owe us 250,000 pounds. Thank you very much. Right. And you go, what? Yes. <laughs> you know, yeah. but, um, you know, so there, I'm not, I'm really not saying that it, it I'm in no way saying that it, it was better in the, you know, in the older days. It really wasn't, you know, it, I 100% embrace the creative freedom that we have today 100% because now you're in control of your own destiny and that's something to behold you know you you can now make decisions like any you know uh what do you call it soul trader or whatever you know you mm-hmm. make your own decisions and and you you're responsible for your own destiny in a sense and you know and there's something there's something really positive in that. You're not really as reliant on other people who might just want to, you know, have a a piece of the cake, you know, as it were. So, you know, and so you're a little bit more in control. Well, actually, you're a lot more in control, really, in that, in that respect. But it does mean that you have to really create a multitude of different skill sets, you know, to do that. Um, and that can be challenging, absolutely, no doubt. Um, and I think it's all about mindset. You know, personally, is is just you know you mentioned um, the the sort of the hunger to learn new things to a degree that really needs to be part of it. You know, because there's always something new around the corner. Um, you know, just to go from podcasting to live streaming, all of a sudden there's a whole array of new things,
0: mm-hmm.
1: new skills you gotta develop. And we've been talking about this before the show. You know, for example, yeah. <laughs> you know, troubleshooting is a huge is a huge one, um, and you know and so but ultimately you know if you want to take advantage of of all the opportunities um that we have nowadays thanks to technology and the ability to self publish and everything else um then yeah it just it just does require that you know so it's you got to take the what do they say you got to take the sweet with the rough or whatever whatever
0: yeah. they say. <laughs> yeah. Sweet with the sour, good with the bad. Yeah. Yeah. All of that. But it's exciting though, right? I think it's it's yeah. exciting from a, I mean, it's, it's, it's terrifying on the one hand because there's so much stuff to learn and, and experiment with and try. There's not enough hours in the day to try all the things that I'm interested in from, you know, like we said, AI to all the different tools that we play with, you know, notwithstanding different photography techniques or somebody did something on on instagram or something you're like oh that's interesting i want to try something like that right there's not a whole lot of time to try all this and where i was going earlier was with with this embarrassment of capability that we have any any facet of which you could drill down into to become an expert in. as we get older right back uh, going back in the day you know, being the master of one thing, you're the master of that thing. And, you, you know, you become an old man or whatever, and you still know how to do that thing. And now you're a sage because you know all of the intricacies of how to do that thing, because that's all you've been doing since the beginning of time. Now that's kind of diluted a little bit. The other factor on top of that is you get tired as you get older, right? You go, like, do I have to do this again? Do I really want to be doing all of these things? Am I going to edit that? I mean, you know, you can't, I don't think you can, maybe I'm wrong, but I don't think you can maintain a level of enthusiasm and verve for everything in perpetuity. So how do you how do you safeguard against that? Like is there in your opinion, I know you don't have all the answers, but in in your opinion, how do you how do you make sure or ensure that as time marches on and you get tired of certain aspects of what you're doing that you remain energized and you remain enthusiastic and your creativity Remains fed in order to, to keep going, so you don't burn out because you've been doing too much all you know for for all these years. Or is there? Or is there a way? Maybe the the solution is to burn out, and then someone else takes over. I don't
1: know. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, you know, maybe sometimes you know, maybe sometimes that's what it takes to you know make you realize that you know maybe a career change is in order. Maybe um, it certainly happened to me in the past, you know. But I think the reality is. um, you know when things can be very stressful, especially when you're creating a lot of different types of contents, you know, for different purposes, and especially when you know you have, uh, for instance, sponsors or something that you know require require you to deliver, um, or even, I mean, no, it doesn't even have to be sponsors. So even when you run um, a YouTube channel or um, or a podcast, like in my case, you know, I'm I'm sort of on a bound to release an episode every every week because that's the commitment I've made to my listeners and you know so I damn well better deliver every Thursday you know and if I don't I better have a really good excuse as to why I don't and so that's that's the pressure you know um you end up putting on yourself really to uh you know to make that happen um and so it's important to first of all there's two things one is it's really important to create a, a work life balance, and I know a lot of people talk about work life balance and stuff like that, and yeah. you know but it's it's very, very, very important to bear that in mind you know family um you know is it, an important thing and and this sort of these sort of activities can very easily um take you know overhand mm-hmm. uh, so I mean that's one thing you know it's going to be ideally very strict with that in itself but the other thing is also that you know i think in a creative world especially in a world where things are changing so rapidly um there are lots of not only lots of opportunities but also lots of um you know there's lots of creative lots of creative opportunities you know things that change new uh creative avenues that open up and and so i think embracing change is is a really important aspect to that, because you know if you th- if you imagine like back in you know many decades ago when you know people worked for the same employer all their life, you know and people yeah. like you remember the the old um, what was it like the, the old term um, you know he's a company guy or something like that, you know he used to work for 40, for forty years, you know just like his father before him and whatever, you, you know just I mean just imagine doing the exact same thing you know, day after day after day for the rest of your life. There's a certain, yeah, it's difficult to imagine. There's a certain degree of security in that, of course. That's one thing, you know, but um, it's, I don't think it's necessarily particularly fulfilling and it can quite easily lead to things like burnout, for example. But I think in the creative world, we have the opportunity now and the ability to, to affect change. And so it's important to, you know, to, to, to really allow yourself that flexibility, you know, to sometimes go with the flow and change things up a little bit and do things differently, um, you know, things evolve. I think once once you allow yourself to go with the flow a little bit, then things evolve quite organically sometimes, um, you know, and I, I just use, I don't know, I use, I use my own podcast, the chemistry podcast as an example, you know, obviously, you know, the only reason why I'm doing a podcast is simply down to the pandemic you know it was completely born out of the pandemic um if you'd asked me a year before the pandemic uh, whether i could see myself as a podcaster i would have had to say like i don't even know what i mean i know what a podcast is but how does that work? what zero <laughs> idea yeah exactly what you, it's like an audiobook isn't it mm-hmm. you know that's you know and so i mean you know an event like the pandemic for example you know sometimes you have these these turning points in life things happen you know from all personal experience you know 2013 was a turning point for me because that was a year where a lot of stuff happened for me my you know my dad died and my grandparents died and and my relationship split up and i you know um and all that happened like within nine months and all Mm -hmm. all that kind of stuff and for me that was a turning point in my life where i knew i'd come to the the crossroads here and i needed to take a different turn you know i need to make a change because uh, because that was the way for me to you know to continue basically you know and um, and so I made a massive career change and I switched my career from basically from music to to photography um, and you know and uh, when the pandemic hit, for example, of course, just like many portrait photographers in particular and I guess wedding photographers and so on, you know a lot of the the work literally got canceled from one day to another and you you know you were looking at at a diary you know that was pretty much empty for the rest of the year all of a sudden. And nobody knew how long this whole pandemic thing was going to go on for and so on. And so, you know, for me, the logical consequence of that was to embark on another creative endeavor, just simply to keep myself creatively challenged and entertained and engaged and so on. And so I just thought, well, I thought, you know, why not? <laughs> Why not start a yeah. podcast? Uh, you exactly. know, and the yeah. initial the initial question was like, okay, well, okay, so how does this work? And how does one do a podcast? And you know, uh, where where do they live? How do you hold, How long should it be? What should it be called? You know, um, how do you structure a podcast? Like, how do you get that podcast so that people can listen to it? And you know, and all that kind of stuff. And you know, to begin with. It was a challenge, and but it was also incredibly fun because, you know, it was something new for me to find out and to, you know, get my teeth into and to just figure out, you know, how to solve one problem and then another problem. And it really wasn't about, it actually at all, it wasn't about um, how many listeners there would be or whatever. I didn't really think about it at all. the The main thought or the thinking behind starting this podcast was actually more one of creating structure within, you know, within, within within the week, really, because during that time of the pandemic, you know, in the UK we were locked down basically, quite quite extremely. Um, so I remember, you know, at that time I think we were allowed outside the house for forty five minutes a day because you know just for exercise, and other than that we were locked in the house, and um, and so you know you couldn't go out, you couldn't see friends, you couldn't see family, you could go to work, you know, if you were working in an office or whatever, and so every day just became the same you know you wake up in the morning and you didn't know what day it was and i always say that a few weeks later i'd wake up in the morning didn't know what day it was and i didn't care and at that point i thought right i to do something about this and so you know starting a podcast basically meant you know i re- started recording on a monday and then edit the whole thing and, and we it on the Thursday. and immediately every week had a structure you know mm-hmm. i knew monday was recording you know um Thursday was was putting it out there and in between I would have to edit it. And then once I'd released the latest episode, I then would have to think about what the content would be for the next week, you know, for the for the following episode. And I would just have to start planning that. And so all of a sudden things had, had a structure again. Um and it just, you know, it did wonders for my mental health, um, you know, and all the rest of it. And so and I didn't necessarily know that you know nearly 3 years later i would still be making podcasts but i i felt enough with it and i loved it you know and and so i continued doing it and a lot of the the results or the outcomes of that post pandemic have really been a you know a direct consequence of of that change you know had i not yeah. started making podcasts I, I wouldn't be doing a lot of the things that i'm doing now um yeah and so you know again because we have that control over our creative lives now we can affect that change it's much more easy oh,
0: that was much easier yeah. much more easy <laughs> yeah much it is to basically you know so, yeah, yeah i think it's i think so it's that's, easier that's, that's and that's that's part of it i mean it's it's definitely like I said before, it's an embarrassment of riches, right? An embarrassment of capabilities, which in a lot of ways, for a lot of people, myself included, sometimes leads to analysis paralysis of, oh, I can do this, should I do that? Or maybe I'll do that. Oh, you know, I just saw this, you know, so-and-so just released a new update to their software with this whiz-bang new feature. I gotta go play with that now, you know? So I think it's one skill that content creators need to develop is that focus. Right. It is that focus and like you say, Kirsten, the, the whole routine of it all and putting certain parts of what you're doing on rails so that, you know, it just it is a thing and you're not all over the place. And, you know, squirrel, let me go over there and play with, you know, play with that new thing. Um, <laughs> yeah. You know, you've done a, you, you're working on a lot of stuff. I have a couple things I want to touch on. Um, you mentioned the, the, the podcast, right? The, the camera shake podcast. So tell me about that show. Like, I mean, the, I know obviously you said it was born from the pandemic and for reasons and you put your creativity into it. But now that it's got some momentum, you've had some pretty big names on there. How did you get from guy in the room with a microphone, you know, doing this, doing a podcast who didn't even know what a podcast was months before to booking big names on your show? Like, how, like what was the, the path there?
1: Well, I'd like to say you know it was like uh, you know a meteoric rise, but it really wasn't. You know, if if you think about it, you know, I've just recorded episode one hundred and sixty-two. That's one hundred and sixty-two weeks of, you know, slogging away basically. Um, so you know, it's it's in- incremental. You know, I think yeah, the path is is very incremental. You know, mm-hmm. um, literally, when we first start the very first episode, actually. Um, it was really a fun thing to remember because we didn't we didn't know how to do it. I was uh, I started a podcast with a friend of mine, Nick. Um and I remember, you know, we were we were on the phone or on FaceTime or something on a Friday at the beginning of the pandemic, you know, once once we'd watched everything on Netflix that there was to watch and we'd done the the movie <laughs> the the Marvel movie marathon several times over, you know. <laughs> yeah. Um like most people, you know, and we getting sick of like Zoom quizzes and all that kind of stuff. You know, we were talking. Every day we would talk, you know, and we would talk about photography stuff. He said, uh, videographers, so we were talking about you know camera stuff and nerdy things and you know all that kind of jazz, and um, you know and uh, and so it was I think it was a Friday afternoon we were talking you know and we thought we both were sort of getting to the to the point where we we're quite depressed uh, about the fact that there was absolutely nothing happening and you know we decided that you know we maybe we should start a podcast. And then the next thing is like, okay, well, how does this work? You know, where, like I said, you know, where, where do podcasts live and you know, how, how do we do it? And of course, it's easy to talk yourself out of a good idea really quickly once you start focusing on the problems you know, and the obstacles and the hurdles and everything else. Um, and uh, I think so. two hours into the conversation, I basically said like, look, man, what are you doing on Monday at 4 p.m.? You know, and Nick said, well, nothing. I'm stuck in a house, can't go anywhere, so I'm doing nothing. I'm like, okay, cool. Well, Monday 4 4 p.m. is when we're going to record the first episode. And that's that. We're just going to have to figure it out between now and then. And and that's what we did. You know, lo and behold, we figured it out over the weekend. And Monday 4 p.m., we started recording. And we called the first episode, Done is Better Than Perfect. Because we knew it wasn't going to be perfect. Far from it. You know, but we just had to get it done. And, you know, sometimes... That's just the attitude that you have to have you just have to get it done. it's not going to be great it's probably going to be pretty terrible and it really is and if anybody's interested, go back and <laughs> have a listen or have a look you know at uh at episode number one of the camera shake podcast. it really was truly terrible um but we also knew that by by continuing we knew that episode ten in all likelihood would be better than episode one, and episode 20 would probably be better than episode 10 and episode 50 will be better than episode 20 and you know and so so that was one very important factor to realize that just simply by doing it we're going to get better at doing it you know and so you have to put some trust into that to start with um because you discover new things and you solve problems and as you know you know in in this sort of world when we work with a lot of technology there are always problems you know always always even problems. in this constantly- even in this
0: episode right <laughs>
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, yeah. we're constantly troubleshooting and problem solving and whatever. But the good news is, every time we solve a problem, we've learned something new. And the next time we come across this problem, we already know the solution or we know how to avoid that same um, issue in the future. And so, yes, things can get very much more complicated much more quickly. But, you know, that's because our state of knowledge you know, increases and it increases incrementally, you know, from week to week and from episode to episode. Um, you know, the same thing is really true when it comes to the content, because although I've been talking maybe more about the, the technical side of putting a, um, a a podcast together, ultimately the number one most important aspect of any piece of content, um, and especially a, a podcast, is the is the actual content of it, you know, and um, I think I remember in episode one, you know, Nick and I were talking about different aspects of photography and things that we've been doing, you know, to keep ourselves entertained and la la, and you know, and I think we were talking about a little bit of gear or something. Um, but we, I think, very quickly we realized that it might be nice to have somebody else on the show, like a guest, you know, and talk to somebody about um, about all things, you know, photography. And um, so I think you know to start to start with we just got friends on the show people that we knew, um, and then very quickly that turned into you know getting other people on the show and um, and then through sheer perseverance you know, we we were lucky enough to get some people um, on the show that were better known or maybe maybe more so specialists in that particular niche. And I remember at the very beginning, I did a list. I Actually, I wrote out a list on a piece of paper in my notebook, and it was called the Wouldn't It Be Cool If list. And mm-hmm. on that list, nice. it was a guy list. You know, and I basically just put names on there. I thought like, oh, wouldn't it be cool? Like in a, you know, in, in a dream sort of thing, you know, wouldn't it be cool to have Joe McNally on the show? You know, wouldn't it be cool to have Peter Hurley on the show? Not that I ever thought that they would ever agree to be on the show in a million years because nobody i mean at that point you gotta remember that you know it was my mom and nick's mom that were listening to the podcast nobody else (laughs) knew about it you know (laughs) yeah um yeah and you know and and it's still actually if you compare it to like i don't know the joe rogan's of this world it's still a very small podcast you know it's it's very small and very exclusive (laughs) i don't Mm -hmm. know um try to be as inclusive as possible of course you know if You're listening to this, make sure you check out the Camera Shake podcast. We, you know, we, we welcome every single new listener. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> no 100%. one is 100%. turned away, right? <laughs> oh, no, no, absolutely 100%. But, you know, um, but, um, it's, you know, what, what started as a way for us to, you know, pass time and and keep sane at the beginning of the pandemic, um, it very quickly became clear that no matter who we talked to you know well known or lesser well known that we were all in the same boat and it was actually a great equalizer you know because i remember um the i remember having peter hurley on the show and you know to all to all headshot photographers in the world peter peter hurley is a huge name you know yeah. and mm-hmm. i was amazingly thrilled to, uh, for him to agree to, you know, come and talk to us. Um, but it was just amazing to, to find that, yeah, he had exactly the same thoughts and worries and fears as far as the pandemic was concerned. This was still during the, while the pandemic was going on, you know, and it was really interesting to have these conversations, you know, where you all of a sudden realize that actually, you no know, we're all in the same boat here, like all of us, you know, no matter how successful you are or not, you know, we're all having the same thoughts and the same worries and you know, we're fearful about, we don't know what's going on with vaccines. And, you know, we don't know how long this whole thing is going to last. We're worried about our kids not being able to go to school. And we're all having the exact problems. And immediately, because you're sharing all of this, you actually have a lot to talk about, you know, because yeah. because you're not talking to somebody who, you know, is very well known or, you know, or, or in some way superior or whatever. You're actually just talking to another human being who's actually worried about the same things that you're worrying about, and it That's just right. humanizes the whole thing, you know, massively. And I think um, it was those conversations that, you know, so I think chimed with, you know, with with a lot of people at the time. And um, and so, you know, I'd, I'd like to think that, you know, part of part of what maybe what makes Camera Tech podcast different is that, you know, often those conversations are very much on a human level. You know they're not necessarily all, I, I tell you what, Moose Peterson was actually, it was great. He paid, I think he paid us the biggest compliment ever. It's like, we did a, we did a show with him. Uh, and I think that episode lasted maybe, I don't know, a couple of hours or something. And at the end of it, he said like, you know, oh I'm so pleased I, I agreed to come on the podcast and talk to you guys because this was, but you know, it was so enjoyable because it's the only podcast the only interview i've ever done where after two hours nobody even mentioned the word f stop even once <laughs> mm, refreshing <You> know? <laughs> and it's yeah and it's you know and it's um yeah and so it's it's the um the attitude was always to get behind you know to get into the the person's mind behind the lens if that makes any sense mm-hmm. you know rather than to get to know the the person behind the human behind the lens rather than yeah. necessarily talk about, you know, in depth, I don't know, technical issues, for example.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I agree. A hundred percent. Yeah. Unless it's about that, but yeah, no, yeah, no, for sure. It, exactly. Yeah. Cause, cause I, the, the way that I, I feel like I've been able to sustain podcasting over the years doing podcasts and continue to enjoy it. Every conversation, including this one, I feel like I am, I am the student and I'm learning from my guest. And my job, yeah, my job is in a lot of ways to personify my audience and ask the questions that I feel like my audience wants to know if they have the opportunity to be in, you know, sitting where I am and asking the questions. So, in a lot of ways, I'm just channeling the audience and, you know, it, asking those questions. But the questions and the direction of the interviews that I do come from a genuine curiosity about the topic. It'd be very hard for me to to conduct an interview with someone about something that I have absolutely no interest in. It would, you know, you, I could yeah. go through the motions of course, and list out my questions and ask them, you know, like a, like a CNN or a BBC anchor or whatever. I could totally do that, but it wouldn't have the spirit and the, I don't know, the the oomph of what we're doing here which is a you know a, a peer-to-peer conversation that with one of the peers being genuinely interested in what the other person is is working on or is doing yeah. or has accomplished in life you know having a conversation with Peter Hurley for example I've interviewed Peter a couple of times and it's always he's always taking me to school right about yeah, <laughs> how, how yeah, he absolutely. does what yeah. he does right same with Joe yeah. McNally you know I get humble just chatting with Joe because I've feel like i've told joe it feels like he's forgotten more about photography than i know <laughs> right? so yeah, 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 yeah. it's just it's yeah, amazing exactly. yeah. It's, so, yeah i
1: mean I, yeah i see it in exactly the same way i mean you know, for me um you know creating this podcast it's been my own personal university in, in a sense you know because every time i speak to somebody i i learn so much and of course i hope that you know the listeners have the same experience you know and um the beauty of not not relying on a publisher and not relying on you know producers and not having to rely on a, a radio station to put the show out or something. It's simply the fact that you know you as a as a solo podcaster you can decide who your next guest is going to be, and so there's really no need for me to speak to anybody who I'm not interested in or I'm not interested in what they're doing because I don't have to interview them. I don't. I, I make the decision ultimately. I don't have to have them on the show. <laughs> right you know? yeah, exactly so yeah and you know that's that's the beauty of it it's um i can completely you know gauge that by by you know my own interests and what i think you know the the listenership or the audience are interested in and of course you know by default then it it varies widely you know sometimes we have you know an incredible portrait photographer on the show and then we have an incredible toy photographer on the show and you know, I know this from conversations with listeners, you know, of course sometimes listeners look at an episode and go, Oh, I'm not really interested in that. And, you know, sometimes we have, you know, I, I do um episodes on, you know, where, for instance, uh, the business of photography might be the the talking point or something. You mm-hmm. know, some people go like, well, but I'm just doing it for hobbies. I'm not really interested in the business side of things. Totally cool. But there are others who are very much interested um in in listening to those aspects of you know photography. Um and I am ultimately, I am interested in it, so that's why I'd like to have guests on the show that that cover this this wide range you know, and this kind of goes back to I think where sort of almost like where we started the conversations to you know whether you know now we have to niche down so extremely, and I don't think that's necessarily the case you know I think we can we can create variety within within our niche,
0: if that makes sense or niche, yeah. depending on where you're from,
1: I guess <laughs> Is yeah. it niche? no uh, absolutely, niche? yeah no. yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's it's great. I mean, all of this stuff. You know, the, the other thing about podcasting, you and I talked about was the how much like photography. Podcasting acts as a passport into like having the conversations, like with Joe and Peter, etc. That if you were just Joe Blow, photographer off the street, you know, that they would probably not entertain having a discussion with you and letting you pick their brain, but. You yeah. have a microphone you're, and you have a podcast in a platform that opens a lot of doors for you, much like photography. You know, some some situations you show up in as just a regular citizen, you're you you do not pass go. Right. You can't get in. You're not allowed in that situation either by the authorities that control that situation or, you know, say in the case of photojournalism or um, the the group or community that you want to photograph or that you want to interact with without a camera you can't get in there and interact with them, right? With a camera, it becomes your passport to get in and it kind of lowers barriers, the threat barriers. Like, oh, the guy's not a threat, he's just a yeah. photographer, right? He's going to come in and take yeah, pictures. Yeah, yeah so you, the same way with podcasting. You find that as well in, in the circles that you move in that it kind of opens a lot of doors for you just by virtue of the fact that you are a podcaster and a photographer?
1: Yeah, you know, I think it. Um, it's... What's, I think what's super important um, in all of this is actually it, it comes down to perseverance. Oops. <laughs> Sorry, one of my lights has just turned off. There you go. Oh, nice. <laughs> Never mind. Um, it, you know, it boils down to, to perseverance. Um, you know, ultimately, it's you know, this, this stuff, the difference between you know, taking one photo, one great photo, uh, and creating a body of work you know i think the body of work aspect is still immensely important because yeah. it shows you know yeah, it shows perseverance and you know you're serious about something you know had i i mean podcasting is the same thing if you ever make, if you make one single podcast episode you know it, okay well it means you've made a podcast episode but you know once you've created a body of work then people start to take you more more seriously and i think i think i speak really speak from experience because it's not like you know, it's, I mean, the CameraShack podcast is still it's a very small podcast, you know, by comparison. Um, especially if you, I mean, if you, you know, if you compare it to the behemoths of uh, of the podcasting world, like, you know, Joe Rogan or, you know, even, you know, podcasts that have been maybe that have been running for a lot longer, you know. Mm-hmm. I, you know, a lot of podcasts that I listen to and, and wh- whose creators I now call my friends, you know, behind the shot, Steve Brattle is a great example, you know, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, you know who I call a friend now, and I've been listening to his show for for years. You know, it's been going on um, for a lot longer than the Camera podcast. You know the Photobomb podcast by Gary Hughes and uh, Bowie Perry, for example. I've enjoyed that for years. Nine years they've been going on. You know, it's incredible. Um, you know, Trip, for example, I've been listening to for for a long time, and it's right, you, you know it's um, it's you know it's I think once people realize that you know you're serious enough to stick with something, to put all your energy into something and, you know, and all your, your creativity and you, you make something. And it's not just a fluke or, you know, a one day, like one hit wonder, so to say Um, that I think that's when people take you serious because ultimately in this whole industry, in the creative industry, it's your work that, you know, that, that speaks to the, the words, you know, and, and I think the same thing is true, you know, when you're, you know, creating a particular type of photography, for example, you know, Um, you can take one great photo at a wedding. It doesn't make you the greatest wedding photographer in the world. If you look, you know, I spoke to, um, I had had the opportunity to speak to um, Jerry Guiones, you know, only recently, and it's cool. uh, His catalog of work is incredible. I mean, it's just incredible, you know, Um, so but there's somebody who's been working on his craft for decades and decades, you know, and um, and obviously created a whole body of work, and I think that's that's the important thing to remember. It's ultimately it's it's your work that that will make you who you are, and you know people will look back, you know, will, will look at that, and they will go like, okay, well that's you know that person is obviously very serious because you know obviously he's put a lot of um, work and effort and energy into into creating that. Um, yeah, and uh, again, the same thing is true for podcasts. It's not—it's not, it's not surprising. You probably know this, but the the vast majority, vast vast majority, I think it's—I can't remember what the exact numbers—are like eighty percent, eighty-five percent of all podcasts um, don't go past episode seven or whatever the statistics right. are. Yeah, you know, yeah. we call and, it pod fading. Yeah, you know, <laughs> so it's you know, and I can understand. I can perfectly understand why that is, um, but it takes just you know, hard work and uh, grit and perseverance to push past that, you know? Um, and that's, you know, I think that's important.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. It's like anything that's worth doing, right? It takes perseverance. What is it? What was it? Malcolm Gladwell, uh, coined the phrase, the tipping point, right? Where you get to a certain point and most people roll back down the hill and give up. And those that push over that tipping point, it becomes downhill for the most part after that. And things just sort of start clicking into place. And that's the trick is getting to that tipping point or persevering to that point where through those barriers where most people just say, you know what, I can't do this anymore. I'm done. I can't do it. Right. If you get that, get to that wall and then push further through that wall, then suddenly you're like, oh. This is kind of cool. Right. So it's it's that yeah. and the world is kind of designed that way with that in mind for most things that we do where if you if you persevere at it, the the people that didn't, you know, weren't weren't supposed to be doing that thing to begin with. You know, before we curse, before we wrap up, I want to I want to chat about three heads in a row, the project that you're working on and what's that about and what was the impetus behind that and then also some of the more creative portraits that you're doing i saw some photos of of a lemon flying in the air like fruit ninja style being chopped in half <laughs> you have to explain that <laughs> so but let's start with three heads in a row what's what's that about give me the the gist of that project yeah
1: yeah. so i mean three heads in a row is basically um it's a portrait uh project really that i i started before the pandemic in actual fact and so the idea was i think i started in 2019 or something and the idea was to really push forward or push on with that through 2020 but then of course yeah, the pandemic happened and all the rest of it, as we know. Um, the basic idea was um, that I wanted to create. Well, originally, really, I wanted to create a um, a self portrait for the about page of my website. That was mm. the original idea, mm-hmm. and so I had this idea, you know, this kind of setup, like a tabletop scene, blah blah blah, you know. Um, and um, and as I was photographing myself with a remote control and the camera on a timer and you know all the rest of it um uh, something went wrong and the camera kept firing sort of mid pose, you know and uh, and i ended up with with a shot that had me you know my hands and arms flailing in the air and it was just you know it it was comical actually you know and i looked at it and i thought well obviously that's not going to work as a serious self-portrait for my website but within itself that's a really funny shot you know and i thought Mm -hmm. it was quite it was quite cartoonish almost like a caricature. And I looked at it and I thought, well, I really like this. This is, for some reason, I'm, I'm drawn to this image. You know, it's funny. It's, yeah, it's cartoonish. It's a little bit um, hyper real. Mm-hmm. And then I thought, well, wouldn't it be fun if I could photograph other people like that? Um, and then you know, as I, was, as I kept thinking about it, I thought, like, you know, what would be cool would be to, to, to create a triptych of three images, a series of three images um, that could tell a story that would give us a little bit of an insight into who that subject is. So you know, and uh, I figured that if I ask if I ask my subject to uh, bring with them three objects, three things that mean a lot to them. So you know, it could be something that relates to uh, their profession. You know what they do for a job. Um, it could be something that's a hobby or something that's just simply dear to them, maybe an heirloom, or something that just means a lot to them. And what I would then attempt to do is to get them to interact with these, with these objects and, and give me those, you know, those um, sort of hyper-real, or over-the-top facial expressions, you know, mm-hmm. um, that really make those shots. Um, but the challenge there was really to get people to trust me enough to 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 um you know to drop the facade and 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 allow them to you know to give me these these extreme expressions um and that that was really the or that is the challenge every time is to build up that trust relatively quickly so Mm -hmm. that they you know feel comfortable and relaxed enough and trust me enough to let go a little bit you know, and to create to allow me to create images that show them in a light like they've probably never seen themselves in, you know, and, and previously would have thought, Oh, well that's ridiculous. I don't you know, that's crazy. Um, and, and yet, you know, the end result is always when you know, when they see the final shots, usually what happens is they go, Wow, this is incredible. You know, this is really a photo that most likely nobody will ever take a photo of them in this way ever again. So it's unique, you know, for yeah. for the for the for the for city, person. of the subject. Yeah, for that person, capturing um, their yeah, essence. And so,
0: yeah,
1: yeah, exactly. You know, and and it it reveals a lot of personality and you know, and character and so on and so forth. Um, and it makes for a really, I think, a really fun series of you know of, of photographs to to look at. And again, and it tells a story. You know, it's almost like it adds an additional dimension to that person. So we're not only looking at a person making a weird face, you know, we're looking at somebody who's interacting with an object. And so across these three images, we can learn a lot about that particular person, so we might understand, okay, well, they're really into soccer, for example, and, you know, maybe they're into uh, playing the guitar, and um, there might be a photographer because they have a camera there, so they might t- like taking pictures, or w- whatever it may be, you know, um, so it can tell us a little bit about you know their interests, uh, their profession, potentially, and, you know, what they hold dear, and so uh, their values, potentially, you know, so it's... Um, it's just a really fun way um, for me to, cr- to create something that's a little bit special for that person. Yeah. Um, from a purely selfish point of view, it's super fun. I mean, it's, it's hilarious for me to create these images. And I really enjoy um, helping somebody to... To experience the freedom of of letting their guard down, you know, and uh, the challenge is, I mean, the challenge is it's actually funny enough. The challenge is not so much a photographic challenge, um, so much the challenge. The it, challenge is actually to get them to trust me.
0: Um, yeah, that's the thing. Know. Always right. It's the trust as a as a portrait, you know, or people photographer. I always say that the 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 three skills that photographers need to have that are in that are playing in that genre and tell me i am curious if you agree so there's one obviously the the technical side of it where you need to understand your gear and and how to do the things that you're there to do i.e take photo and exposure and composition and lighting and depth of field on and on and on and how to execute on that particular piece of gear that you have in your case z62 right And then the the next bit of it is just the psychology, I think, of being able to interact with your client, you know, with the person that you are there to take a photo of, you know, reaching out and putting them at ease and joking around, you know, all the while the other side of your brain is handling the technical stuff and doing that, spinning that plate while you're spinning the plate of being personable and and your bedside manner and all that. And the third piece of it is the artistic side of it, right? You're you're there to create art, you know, it's not the technical, it's not the psychology, it's the actual art that you're trying to create and and the message that you're trying to convey. All three of those you're juggling all three of those at any given shoot in different ways, right? Some, sometimes more on one than the other, but you're still juggling. You agree with that? And they all, yeah,
1: absolutely, and they all relate to each other. You know, the yeah. more I can get, um, the the more successful I am in in getting somebody to trust me and let their guard down and you know relax and you know give me those extreme um, expressions. Um, the more successful the shoot will be because because the end product will be more interesting and more you know funnier and you know um, and and more you know more interesting basically. So it it all boils down to that. You know. And um yeah, so I think I think the all of these things are you know are, are interrelated, you mm-hmm. know, very much. Yeah. Um the, you know, and even you know, even beyond just that three heads in a row project, which by the way, if you know if any of you listeners uh, or viewers are interested, you know, all you have to go is go to um to Instagrams at three heads in a row, so spelled out T H R W Heads in a row. Um and let me know what you think.
0: Um be interesting to know. But uh, yeah. and we'll you link know, to it. I'll link to it from the the notes and in the and the description in the blo- in the YouTube video. Fantastic. So you know,
1: um, so to me, um, it's taught me a lot. You know, in in engaging with people and, and interacting with people, you know, even when even when I'm just doing corporate headshots, for example, you know, um, very often, even in just a standard headshot situation, the person that you know you you end up with in front of your camera. You know, those people are not used to being in front of a camera. It's an alien situation for them. You know, it's completely mm-hmm. unnatural being under, you know, this a soft box and there's flashing lights and somebody with a massive lens, you know, and, and all that kind of stuff. And it's not normal, you know. And so people will feel anxious and nervous and apprehensive, you know. And it's my job as a photographer, as a human, you know, it's my job to make somebody feel relaxed because I know as a professional, I know that... I'm only going to get to the good stuff if I can get them to relax. That's right. Because otherwise we're just taking better looking passport photos here, you know, and that's, <laughs> that's right. you know, yeah. and that's not, nobody wants that. You know, the the, the client doesn't want that. Like the client, the, you know, the client comes because they want, you know, photography. That's obviously, you know, I'd say in a comma superior to, to a standard passport photo, you know, um, and i want to create that for them as a professional and you know as a as an artist um but mm-hmm. but also you know also from a business perspective i want to i want to create that that's quality of work because um i know that you know that's you know that's what my my business is based on so mm-hmm. you know so i want to uh, i want to basically you know provide that service and this that particular skill that interhuman skill is is much more important. I've learned that that's much more important than, you know, um than than the skill behind the camera, you know, ultimately. Yeah. yeah. Um because because every mainly because every single person is different, you know, and just the sensibilities are different. Um I can get my camera settings dialed in so that I know how what aperture I'm going to use for this particular look and I know how the lights going to be and you know what the settings are. I can I can dial all of that in. I can learn how to do that, you know, quite easily. Um but every single person that comes to the door is different, and requires a, a different sort of sensibility when it comes to dealing with them and getting them to relax. You know, yeah. and uh, conversation is a huge thing. Which incidentally, you know, coming back to three heads in a row for a minute, one of the things that you know these these objects do, like the three objects that I ask them to 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 bring along, um, these are immediate ammunition for conversation, and that's really the the biggest icebreaker. You know, because immediately you can start a conversation on, oh, what's that? You know, what's the first thing you brought? Oh, okay, what is that? Why did you bring that? You know, how you know, how how come you brought that or what does that mean to you? You know, and then, then all of a sudden the stories come out, you know, and you immediately have something to talk about. Um and and that's really what ultimately allows people to relax. It's when when you create that engagement between two human beings, you know, you open up these these conversational channels. And that's really that's what trust is built on. You know, it's a communication. It's it's all about communication.
0: Yeah, and finding finding that common ground for sure. Absolutely. And you know, a lot of what you said resonates because it's the it's it's same thing with podcasting. Right. And having are very similar. Right. And having except that the whole thing is the conversation. But even then, before you start recording, like we had a pre-interview and even before this, when you and I chit chatted and trouble, troubleshot some things for for a bit of time. But, you know, but we, we connected. You got to have if we just came into this cold and just started talking and be like. You know two strangers on a park bench making small talk versus if we have that yeah. pre-discussion and we find out oh we both like this oh we both shoot nikon and this and yeah, that, yeah you yeah. know yeah yeah then we it's did, like, i mean okay.
1: this yeah, I mean, yeah, case in point is when we first the first time we we had a chat on online you know we're talking all of a sudden we realized that we both really like star trek and you know lo and behold you sent me a, a wallpaper <laughs> My yes.
0: screen there it is. It's the right there. And there it is. And it look, Fantastic. look, behind me, right there. The same there one. you go. <laughs> yeah. Fantastic. Yep. Yeah. No, yeah. it's great. It's great. I love this stuff. And that's I think part of part of why I love doing the podcasting side of things is because of these conversations. Especially, I think especially during the pandemic. Now You know, obviously, I was doing the podcast way before the pandemic, many, 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 many years before the pandemic hit. Uh, So, you know, it was the pandemic wasn't a catalyst to twip, but Mm -hmm. it was certainly a uh, it was my therapy, (laughs) let's say, getting through it and my contact with the outside world and like, oh, okay. You know, I can have conversations with with normal people when I can't go outside or I can't go over here or whatever. Um, I could still operate this and still have conversations with people yeah. and commiserate or whatever. Even, you know, This Week in Photo has a community and we meet every Friday at 6 p.m. Pacific on Zoom, religiously oh, wow. almost. Right. Yeah. And everyone through the pandemic has been going for years. Through the pandemic, we're in there, you know, and. You know, it was just a bunch of it was. It still is just a bunch of friends having conversations. Like, oh, did you hear about this? You know, what about this? You know, kind of just shooting the breeze about the the things that were affecting the world during the pandemic. We'd have our right. own little group to kind of dissect it. And in that group, there are physicians and nurses and, you know, I've gone to people that would that would debunk different myths and all that stuff that were floating around. And that was kind of our source of sanity. And going forward, the the topic obviously shifted away from pandemic stuff. And now lately, it's been a lot about AI, you know, just the zeitgeist of what creatives are interested in, you know. So, yeah. Yeah. Conversation is the key. You know, I want to I want to wrap up and uh, sort of leave it with I want to give you the last word, like any any words of advice for photographers or creatives that are looking to kind of dive into either the photography or podcasting under today's climate. You know, with all the tools and the change and the uncertainty that's going on, what what are the the. In your opinion, what's the what advice would you give to a bright-eyed young photographer that's like, I want to do this, I want to make a career out of this. I want to do what you're doing, Kirsten. What, How would you guide them to get started in that?
1: I think the most important thing, thing to remember is is literally that done is better than perfect. You know, there's so many distractions and so many different ways to do just about anything, you know, whether that's in Photoshop or in podcasting or whatever, you know, or in, in live streaming or, or social media, whatever it may be. Um, but just remember that doing the work is the important thing. You know, it's much more important to create than to, you know, to look at that and to figure out, okay, well, you know, this bit went well. This didn't happen. Uh, let's figure out why it didn't happen, and let's try and you know improve on that next time around. But it's all about really getting the getting the work done. Um, the worst thing that you can that you can do is really to never actually put any of your work out there. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it's it's this this thing where you think, well, it's not good enough, or it's just not good enough, or you know, I just if I just tweak that, or if I just if I just had this other thing, this other app, or this—if you know, I just learned how to do that, then it would be so much better. You know, forget all of that. Just you know, put your work out there. Um, you know, keep doing the work, and and you know, you will get better. Um, if you're into podcasting, you know, like I, like I said earlier. You know, put a podcast episode out there. Don't have any expectations. You know, just let your mom listen to it. That'd be perfectly fine. You know. Um, once you've done ten episodes, maybe you know, maybe maybe some of your friends could listen to it. You know, you might you might want to delete the first ten episodes afterwards. Who knows? You know, but it's really important to to get the work done. You know, and and carry on. And remember, it's a marathon, not a sprint. You know, no matter whether you're planning on setting up a YouTube channel or creating a podcast or you know um, or doing stuff on social media or whatever it may be, or, or even just getting good at something that you like doing, you know, it could be portrait photography or landscape photography or whatever. It's all about doing it. You know, it's about doing the work, learning from it, repeat and pressing the repeat button. That's really, yeah. that's what it's all about. Um, and once you can make that part of your raison d'être or, you know, part of your, part of your week, part of your month, you know, uh, part of your life, then you will get better at it. Uh, you can't help it. It's a little bit like, you know. imagine if you, if you pick up, if you've never played the guitar before and you pick up a guitar, you are going to be pretty terrible at playing the guitar, no doubt. But if you practice a little bit of guitar every day within a year, you'll be a hell of a lot better than you were on the first day. And although these changes are incremental, it's important to keep in mind that sometimes it's difficult to see your own rate of improvement from your own perspective because you're always there when you're practicing you know same thing when you're practicing with your camera, but for other people, it'll be very easy to detect that progress because they might only see you or hear you if you tower you know once every so often so it's important to not get disillusioned you know to um just you know what do they call it back in the day, horses had these what are they called? blinders blinders blinders. that's it yeah yeah yeah. put your blinders on and just you know look at the road ahead of you don't look back and you know carry on and do the thing that you love and if you truly
0: love doing something you will get better there's absolutely nothing you can do about that that's right that's right R- wise words wise words if people want to contact you and get in touch and you know say hello what's a where do you point them to first and i'll have all the links that you sent me over in the blog post and in the youtube description but if someone's driving and they want to punch you in right now at a stoplight where where's a good place for them to go <laughs> Sure. yeah you can you can
1: uh, contact me via the camera shake podcast um anywhere on instagram it's at camera shake podcast um or on uh, this, we have a Facebook group as well, which is which is very popular. So if you join the Facebook group, Camera Shake Podcast, um, or of course you can hit me up on Instagram either at uh, Three Heads in a Row um, and shoot me a message there,
0: and I'd be delighted to talk to you guys and uh, see what you're up to. Really, awesome, awesome, Kirsten, thank you for so much for coming on. I appreciate it. Uh, what a great what a great conversation. I hope you'll come on again, and uh, well, you know we we have to we have several niche topics to dive into right like oh definitely yeah we we just inside baseball folks are listening and watching uh Kirsten and I got in got into a, a mutual uh I don't want to call it a bash fest, but a, a mutual <laughs> concern for not having an articulated LCD on the back of our cameras, you know so oh, as, as content creators, so we got we got bring that up and that was a, that was a oh, great yeah. discussion. yeah, we'll chat Definitely. about that we We got to chat about AI. I mean, there's more podcasting stuff and business stuff to dive into. And you know I, I'll leave uh, or my final word on this would be a huge thank you goes out to Mr. Steve Brazzle for facilitating the introduction between us right so i i you know i i without steve we probably wouldn't have been talking right now so thank you thank yeah you, it's, steve you know, it's, absolutely
1: absolutely and it's funny because uh, i met steve um, recently he came to london uh with his wife on a, on a short vacation and of course you know since i'm based in london we decided to meet up you know over um over a few drinks and a and a few whiskeys maybe a few too many i'm not sure it,
0: nice <laughs> nice of course <laughs> Yeah. yeah. As, does Steve does do. Steve like whiskey? I don't know. I can't remember. Oh, <laughs> I never heard of him. Never heard of it. I think one, he may but. own a bottle or two of whiskey. I think. Yeah, uh, maybe. Yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> um, but yeah, and so you were, just, you we're just talking and your name came up and like, oh yeah, of course, you know. And, and Steve went, Well, you know, you must meet Frederick. You know, and so but, and so it happens.
0: That's great. Thank <laughs> you. Thank you, Steve Brazzle. You know, that's how the universe works, you know, things connect with each other. That's exactly. good. All right, uh, Chris, we'll leave it right there. Thanks again for your time. You have a great evening. Thanks for staying up late doing this. I know it's pretty late there, Uh, but thanks for staying up late and doing this. And uh, yeah, we'll we'll talk again soon. You have a good rest of your week. Fantastic. Thank you so much.
1: This is Twit.